Listen, I I'm sorry. It's been a long time since I've consistently done this podcast, but there are reasons. Hello, the world we live in, 2020. Need I say more? But I'm back out of here. Logan Ward joins me. Excited to get back here for a Producing the Facts podcast. Press play and turn it up. Producing the Facts podcast is your sports hookup. Eric Kane gives you the latest in Tennessee football and the top stories from around the sports world. Listen as national guests and special co-hosts give you real, hard-hitting analysis on your favorite team. This is PTF on iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. That's good to be back. Eric Kane producing the Facts Podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn. At underscore Kane, or boy, it's been a while since I've rattled off all those. Listen, I, I again, as I as I said in the cold open, I do apologize. I mean, y'all, you're living in the same world I'm living in right now. It's a little hectic, especially if you're in the sports industry as I am as well. I'm not the top of the game. That's UGA Ray, but um, it's been uh, it's been very chaotic, and I'll uh, I'll kind of break into all that and tell you what I've been up to all summer long. Hope you guys are doing uh, well as well. Uh, Shout-out, no free shout-outs, Adam Collins. Congratulations. Outstanding job. Beautiful baby boy that you welcome into the world, you and your beautiful wife. Congrats to you. Long-time listener of the podcast. I appreciate you, man. We'll have to catch up sometime soon. Um, Logan Ward joining me today. Logan, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff here, but um, you've kind of been on this ride with me the last couple of weeks. Uh, both of us employed at Cumulus Knoxville, the sports animal. Um, it's been a little chaotic in and out of furloughs and – you know, covering different shifts and hosting and running the boards and all that stuff. Uh, so it's been fun hanging out with you the last couple of weeks, but wanted to uh, get this podcast going. You joined me on this podcast a couple of times and just kind of touch base the state of college football. Where are we? And uh, more importantly, Tennessee football. So uh, what's going on, man? How is your uh, Tuesday morning? I'm good. Had to get up early this morning to work with you and Tyler, which is always fun. There, yeah, there's been a little bit been going on, I guess, ever since March. You might have heard something about you know COVID nineteen, a little bit of something there going on, Kaner. Um, yeah, it's been been crazy past three months for you and I. We've been heck, we've been in the studio. I need, I know I've been in the studio seven days a week for the past you know three months. So, been a lot going on though. Yeah, so I mean, most of you guys know a lot of you guys that listen to this podcast also listen to uh, the Sports Animal, and so you know that we've been in and out of intermediate furloughs for the most part. We've had a couple that have been on 90-day furloughs, and they have uh, just been welcomed back into the building. Those 90-day furloughs are up. But uh, Cumulus Broadcasting Nationwide, you know, over 500 radio stations from New York to L.A. There's a song about that. Um, you know, here even we go. Right here yes. in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, every radio station, not just not just Cumulus Knoxville, has uh, been undergoing, uh, you know, intermediate furloughs or some type of financial saving method and so we've all been affected uh that process is just about over my third and final furlough week was uh in the rearview mirror just this past last week so um to my understanding unless they kick me out and tell me they no longer need me or they can't afford me <laughs> me and my big bucks um i am um, i'm here to stay for uh, for a while and hopefully uh we will have some college football that'll get going here in the next six weeks and we can uh, we can discuss that but it's been a little chaotic. Uh, everyone out there listening, hope that um, you guys are staying safe and healthy. Uh, coronavirus, 
you know, it, Logan, as you pointed out, it was, you know, about mid-March, man. My, my birthday was March the 12th, and I'll never forget it, March 12th, 2020, because not only did I turn 27 years old that day, oh, but old. it was literally, literally the day the sports world stopped. The uh, NBA had called it quits two days before. The, but the 11th. They yeah, quits that night. Pretty the NHL did as well, but the NCAA basketball tournament, I believe, was pretty much canned on the twelfth. Yeah, NASCAR was uh, NASCAR was holding out hope, but it was pretty much canned. I mean, pretty much right. everything that was going. Major League Baseball spring training was uh, they they sent their players home. I just got back from Las Vegas, and so if there's anywhere you're going to get coronavirus, I felt like it'd be in Vegas. So I was a little worried, but um, it's been going on for quite some time. So. For you guys, if you've been affected by COVID-19, I'm sure by this point we all know someone that has been affected by COVID-19. So I hope that everyone is doing well and uh, just hope that we're continuing this road of recovery to try to get, you know, stimulate the economy, get that thing going back up. Obviously for sports, we're seeing the NBA coming back, Major League Baseball. We have some games later this week. Um, But, you know, we're going to talk college football all, uh, you know, this entire podcast because that's – that's the big topic right now. Um, really, obviously, there's a lot of things going on outside of sports, but if you're a sports fan, it's uh, will they, won't they, college football, is it going to happen? And, yeah, I, th- I think that's always kind of been the question ever since, okay, let's go back March 11th, March 12th. First of all, that seems like three or four years ago. It was just three months ago. Kobe Bryant died this year. Three, four months ago. Exactly, and that seems like that happened five years ago. Yep. Everything be going on, you know, in the sports world, I guess, lack thereof. And first of all, a lot of people have said, you know, what are y'all going to talk about? There's nothing to talk about. My podcast, I, ha- I haven't done that since forever just because, hey, I've been working a whole bunch. And everyone's saying, well, you know, you haven't had a whole lot to talk about. That's just factually inaccurate. There's a ton to talk and about. I know it's not their fault. I mean, but I, and I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not it's, games, it's, but it's getting old. Like, I'm getting so tired of answering that question. And I'm like, I. I try not to roll my eyes or give attitude because I know exactly what you're talking about. From the outside looking, it's like, what are you even talking about? There's no sports, but there's so much going on in terms of news. I think a lot of people that, you know, I don't get mad at people whenever they say that just because they're not as big as, you know, because, hey, I work in the industry. I have to kind of pay attention to what's going on. I think it's just a lot of people are very COVID-19 fatigued. And, I, you know, I get that. So am I. So all the conversation around sports for the greater part of, you know, three, four months has been... COVID-19, and I, newsflash, that's how it's going to be for the next couple months until everything gets back going, and I guess we'll get some sort of normalcy this week with, you know, baseball kicking off, NASCAR's been going on, there's been some golf, UFC's been going as well. Someone, someone called into one of our shows that I was doing um, a couple weeks ago and said, uh, said, guys, I'm getting so tired of you talking about coronavirus, can we well, just talk about sports? I'm like, well, if you're a sports fan then you know the story in sports is coronavirus. Exactly. Uh, I had a caller last week calling to um, TSL when I was filling in for you. Uh, you're welcome, by the way. Um, and they said, yeah, yeah, same same exact call. Said, hey, you know, can we talk about sports? I'm so sick and tired of, of hearing y'all talk about COVID-19. I'm like, well, that's the sports story. Sorry. Yeah. And then uh, Tyler and Wilt were talking about, you know, wearing masks. And this is just incredible to, you know, what's got political in this country Tyler Will are saying, like I'll say on the on this podcast today, if you want to call it football, you got to wear a mask. Apparently, that's political in 2020. I, I mean, I you know I I don't like wearing a mask. I, I, it's very no one does. No one does. But you know, because Knox County has mandated wearing a mask when you go out in public, 
especially when I go into a place of convenience or a restaurant or store, whatever it is. I mean, I'm putting on a mask just because I'm a team player. I go work out. I put on a mask. It's very uncomfortable. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I, mean, I, I even said it on the show a couple weeks ago before, uh, you know, uh, Knox County made this a mandate. I was like, I, I've not been wearing a mask. I just, no, I just I haven't, haven't been. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to anybody. But when they said put a mask on, I put a mask on. It's literally there's too many other things going on in this world right now to fight and bellyache about that. But you're right. You know, wear a mask. Hopefully we'll have college football. That's kind of the theme going on right now. Um, but, man, I, you know, as numbers continue to rise and we continue to see hotspots around the country, I'm also seeing how we're dealing with it in parts of the country, and there's a lot to be pleased with. Now there are parts of the country right now that, uh, you know, local and state governments are not, uh, you know, health departments are not dealing with it very well. And so there's always room for improvement. You know, you know vaccines are still being developed right now. There's a lot of good news on that horizon. So just hoping that we continue to file back into uh, a world of normalcy, but uh, it's not going to be normal at all if we don't have college football. Eric Kane at underscore Kaner on Twitter. Again, it's at Kaner on air. You can like, rate, review that Facebook page. Oh, it just rattles off the tongue, and I haven't said it in quite some time. It's like riding a bike. Yeah, it's like riding a bike. Logan Ward, he's at Logan Ward 98 on Twitter. Um, and again, you know, you might be, you know, we've been working a ton. And so what I mean by that is, you know, during this furlough period, I've either been, you know, running the board, which is my normal job, but I've also been running the board and co-hosting. I've also been uh, co-hosting, you know, different shows throughout the day. So a lot of times I'll come in at 6 a.m. and a couple of weeks th throughout this process, I would be on air from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it's, it's just absolutely exhausting. Yeah. And so um, I have missed doing this podcast, but now that we're kind of back on a normal routine, hopefully going to get back to doing it each and every week. So I appreciate you guys hanging in there uh, and checking it out. So, Major League Baseball, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it right now, but Major League Baseball is coming back at the end of this week. Opening day is Thursday. You've got the Nationals hosting the Yankees. You'll have the Dodgers hosting the Giants. And I am so stoked about this because I'm a baseball guy. Yeah. Uh, baseball hasn't even started this year. Again, they, they sent the players home during spring training. It was this whole mess. It was this whole headache. It was so embarrassing and all that. But here we are. Baseball is coming back. It is going to be a thing later this week. The NBA, which we talked about this morning, Logan, since July 13th, there's been 364 tests for COVID-19. All negative. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. It's and I wild. think that needs to be, you know, this is my podcast. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, dive into it much on the radio simply yes. because I don't want to go down that road. But right. you don't see you don't see the the, the media blitz about that. It's mm -hmm. it's a positive story. It's a you know, not only in sports, but that's a positive story for society. We should be celebrating that. Uh, th that is a good thing, but the NBA is coming back. The NHL is going to be back the 1st of August. NASCAR has continued on. PGA has uh, you know, made its return mid-June. It's continued on. Yep. UFC, I mean, we are, we are getting back into a sense of normalcy. The NFL is about to hit training camp, but I'm really excited about baseball, man, because you know, I yeah, fans in the stands, or no fans in the stands, rather, it's going to be super weird. They're going to pump in crowd noise. It's going to be super weird, but um, it's going to look – so unique this season, but something about summer nights, watching baseball, going to sleep, that's normal for me. Let's watch the Braves blow a late, you know, you know that bullpen will blow a late inning lead, and right. we'll just call it a day. Um, have you seen any um, any of the um, scrimmage games, you know, the, the exhibition games? Have you yeah, watched so, bits and clips of it? Any, yeah, any? I watched probably eight innings Sunday night of the Cubs and the White Sox, actually. 
your thoughts on the piping in the the video game crowd noise from uh, it'll be the show would you like it uh, no. i mean it is what it is i'm not uh, again it's kind of like wearing the mask thing it's like eh, you know whatever um, it's just, what, just it, one of those it, things the mask bothers me right <laughs> but uh, this doesn't really bother me but it doesn't do anything for me okay um i was watching it from you, know, you had shiambi you had chipper jones and i forgot who the third broadcaster was that for that espn crew on sunday night uh, the broadcast team was very unique, and I was kind of seeing how they went about it because, again, they're not going to be on side. They're when the regular they were broadcasting from their homes um, on Sunday, but when the season starts, they're going to start going to a studio and kind of doing it that way. But um, I was kind of watching it from that technical sport standpoint, but no, I didn't really didn't really care. You know, I didn't, it didn't really do anything for me. I was just happy to see guys out there throwing baseball and hitting home runs. That's and true. It's, out. it's 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 kind of weird, you know, hearing you know, crack of the bat, you know. The crowd noise kind of, you know, amplifies and then, you know, pan out to see the ball go over the fence. There's no one there. There's no one there to catch it. No one yeah. there to, you know, there's no dads holding babies with a beer in their hand catching a foul ball. It's it's going to be very weird all, all season long. But 60 games. I've talked about this numerous times on the air, you know, just to people. Talk about, you know, from September to December, the sports we're going to get. NFL, college football, we'll get to. A whole bunch of majors in golf. NBA playoffs finals. When did the golf year changes over? When in like October? Well, yeah, a bit. I mean, I mean, um, you're gonna have the Masters gonna have in the November. Masters in November. Technically, gonna have it's, it's gonna be on next year's, but still, it's gonna be in November. Two other majors happening in you know a yeah. span of you know two three months, and NBA playoffs are gonna be going here in literally just a couple weeks. And we've been starved for sports ever since March the 12th, and you know it's I think sports fans and you know, the world is gonna be kind of you know rewarded. If we can figure this out, wear your mask, practice social distancing. Don't be an idiot. That's 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 hard for some people. I get that. We're gonna be rewarded mightily coming up in about you know a month to you know 2021, just because of all the sports going on. It's gonna be awesome. There never been been anything like that. No, nothing that I can think of where there's always been all major sports. Football, baseball, basketball, big four. college football. Yeah, the big four hockey going on at the same time. I don't think that's ever happened. I've been trying to think. Has it? Um, I mean, you know, you've got crossover seasons, of course, but the NBA has never gone on when the NFL is playing. Well, uh, I take that back. I, the NBA, you know, the, the NBA playoffs, rather. We're going right, to have right, the right, NBA right. playoffs going on when the NFLs get going, and, and that's fun. The NBA, of course, starts in like November now. But even but. you know, baseball. You know, I don't. I don't think it's all going on at, at yeah. one point like we're gonna have. It's it's very fun, and I. It's, I tell you what, though, these television networks are gonna cannibalize each other as far as viewership's concerned. Well, it's yeah, it's gonna be incredible, and so I'm excited about that. Um, pumped about baseball, sixty game season, Universal DH, expanded rosters for a little bit. It's gonna be very unique. Um, it's going to be like a one-time thing at least. We're never going to – hopefully we will never have a season like this ever ever again. It's going to be a sprint to the finish line. And I've, I've said this the entire time. Um, whoever wins the World Series this year, if you're unless you're the Atlanta Braves. Or, it's, or the Yankees. It's it's not a real World Series that's, championship. That's it's just not but, – but then again, the more I thought about it, like it's, it's so unique because some teams are not set up to go through the duration of a, of a Major League Baseball season. But in this abbreviated season – they're going to be playoff teams. In a way, it kind of says, you know, hey, you're. It's kind of a, a compliment to say, hey, I won a sixty-game yes. season just because, you know, what was it? You know it more than, more than I do. The Pirates last year, 
would have been a playoff team. The and Nationals, the Nationals would not have been, The correct? reigning World Series champions were 12 games under five hundred at the end of May and in fourth place. Um, the White Sox this year had the team make up to be successful in this format. Um, the Angels, hopefully. The Angels have kind of been knocking on the, are we good, are we not? But they got Anthony Rendon if he gets back and healthy. And, Joe Madden uh, as well as new manager. Yeah, you know, Julio Tehran, former former Bravo, you know, just tested positive for COVID or just returned rather. But I mean, they're getting reinforcements of that staff. You know, maybe they can make a push. Um, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be so interesting. Whereas the traditionals of the last couple of years are, you know, you know, the Yankees, the Braves, Astros, the Dodgers. Astros, Dodgers, of course, yeah. you know, the Giants of the early two thousand and tens, you know, they those teams obviously are, are built to to go the distance, but these new teams are gonna have a chance this year. So it's gonna be interesting. Um, again, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, so I'm just excited to see it get started, and hopefully we'll get back to a full season in 2021. But everybody wants to talk about college football. I get all that. Let's start off talking about Tennessee. Um, last week when I was off, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, two major, major, major news uh, bulletins dropped that is affecting uh, the Tennessee depth chart, and that's two starters who are no longer penciled in to be, uh, you know, or penned in, rather, magic markered in. Uh, to, to be starting that game one. That's Austin Pope tied in, who is having yet another back surgery. Uh, he is out indefinitely. And, of course, uh, defensive lineman Emma Gooden, who was no longer with the team, uh, he was, you know, arrested for, you know, aggravated, you know, assault and all that. It was really disgusting when you kind of read the uh, the police report. But I'll ask you this. I asked Tyler this morning, and we couldn't have, we couldn't have disagreed anymore. Which one is the bigger loss? You have tied in Austin Pope for Tennessee – or defensive lineman Emmett Gooden. Bigger loss for Tennessee moving forward and why? I think on the surface you would say it's Emmett Gooden just because, you know, the you know he's the better player. Exactly. He's the better player. And I think most people would, would say that and I have a hard time, you know, poking hose on that if if you're just looking at uh just not a magnified, you know, little part of the game here. But I think it's Austin Pope just because, you know, look at the guys that they have in the tight end room. I mean, going back to last year, Dominic Wood Anderson didn't do a whole lot. Now you have Jacob Warren, Princeton Fant. I'm Jackson probably, Lowe, Sean Brown. Guys who haven't done a lot, to say the least. Yep. Now, Austin Pope, yeah, hasn't done a ton in his, you know, careers. You know, last year, you know, four catches for 21 yards. It wasn't great, but he was going to help Tennessee out tremendously as far as blocking because that's the strength of his game. Now you're asking yet another position group that has very little experience like, you know, wide receivers. Guys are going to have to step up. And so I think, it, yeah, it's Austin Pope. Yeah, Emmett Gooden, on the on on top of that, Emmett Gooden didn't play last year and Tennessee kind of started off rough on, I'm on the defensive line. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, you're missing Emmett Gooden. You know, Aubrey Solomon didn't really do a whole bunch of anything. To start of the year, that position group got tremendously better as the year went on, and I'm expecting a whole lot more. I think that's you know the position group that I'm the most excited about on this Tennessee roster is defensive line, and well, top I think bottom, they'll, they'll, they'll be the just off, fine outside of the offensive line. That's the Tennessee's best position group, right? A um, couple of things. First and foremost, Austin uh, Austin Pope, uh, former CAK wide receiver here, local kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a he's played a lot. For in his career for Tennessee, he was the third tight end for quite some time when Eli, um, when Eli Wolf was still here. Of course, he was still here when Ethan Wolf was here. But uh, Austin Pope has played a lot of football. Now he's not a receiving tight end. Nope. He, he's just not. Um, he was a receiver in high school, but he has, he has seven catches his whole year. By the way, yeah, he uh, he transition 
career. Yeah, he transitioned into uh, you know, an H-back, a fullback, a tight end, a blocking guy. And David Ubbin of The Athletic did a really, really nice piece. And a lot of you guys listening right now probably read it. When Tennessee played UTC, David Ubbin went with the UTC coaching staff for a couple of days down in Chattanooga and watched film with them, sat in on meetings, and just kind of took notes and observed and everything. And there was a part of that package where they're watching film defensively and said, find 81. That's Austin Pope. Yep. Wherever 81 is, that's where the ball's going. Tennessee ran behind 81, Austin Pope. So many times you saw that against BYU, yeah. which is, I believe, UTC. The game was directly after BYU. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And, and Third game. And that's when Ty Chandler ran for 154 yards, and they just ran stretch. And again, I remember meeting with Austin Pope during a media session. Um, you know, back in the season, he said, you know, during that BYU game, that's when I knew that I kind of made it as a college football player because they ran behind me 16 times. We ran that stretch play, and, and we found success. And so anyway, Austin Pope, huge part of Tennessee's offense. Right. Just he's just not a receiving tight end. But you lose DWA, Dominic Wynn Anderson, and to your point, he really wasn't much of a receiving threat here at Tennessee either. But you lose him. Uh you have Austin Pope coming back, but you have no other experienced person or players at all at that position. Princeton Fan, who started out as running back, played linebacker, played DN. He's there. He got a little run last year. He was kind of figuring in there to probably be that tight end too. Uh you have Jacob Warren, another local kid from Farragut that's transitioned into a nine six foot six two hundred fifty pounder, but he has no experience. You are little experience. Then you have two, you have a redshirt freshman and a sophomore from last year, Jackson Lowe and Sean Brown, who have no experience. You even have Jordan Allen, who was an outside linebacker, saw the opportunity and was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I played I played wide receiver in high school. Let me come play tight end." And, and unfortunately, did spring, um, he wasn't able to get any run. So there are so many unknowns at tight end that you had Austin Pope. You're like, okay, he's not a receiving guy, but he's He's the leader of that group. Right. You can count on him. So to me, long story short, that is why this is 100%, and I agree with you, it's definitely Austin Pope. That's the bigger loss for Tennessee. Uh, to the defensive line, Emmett Gooden was going to be the best defensive lineman. No no doubt about right. it. He was going to be better than Aubrey Solomon, going to be better than Daryl Middleton. But Tennessee's defensive line is, uh, I've said this so many times, uh, strengths and numbers. You know, there are, there's about nine guys you could roll out there at any given game, and you can say, I feel good about that guy out there. I feel good about that guy out there. And because of that strength in numbers, that's why that unit has so much depth. That's why it's so it's it's one of the better position groups for Tennessee. So when I look at those two losses, both huge losses, but it's catastrophic, the loss of Austin Pope, in my opinion, until you find a way to replace him. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, the strength of this this the Tennessee office and, you know, team is is going to be that offensive line. You're going to have to run behind that offensive line just because, you know, what you lost on the outside with Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, you bring back um, Palmer, help me out, guy. Ramel Keaton. Yeah, Ramel Keaton, who only caught, you know, four balls yeah, last year. Two happened year. in the bowl game. Josh Palmer, you're bringing him back. Josh Palmer. Brandon Johnson Brandon from Johnson's 2017 the guy, yep. led the team forever ago. Actually redshirted last year because he wasn't seeing opportunity. I think he'll step up. You'll have D'Angelo Gibbs, who transferred from Georgia, but – He's unproven, okay? You'll have Velas Jones Jr. from USC. He's unproven. Uh, but you'll have Cedric Tillman, who's done things yeah. for Tennessee. A lo- you have Josh Palmer and a whole lot of unknowns. And, and, you know, let's say that they do struggle on you know on the outside, and let's say, you know, Jarek Garantano kind of, you know, still struggles, which at this point, I don't know what everyone is, is going to be expected from him going into next year. If they kind of struggle on the outside, you know, you're losing a very good blocker in Austin Pope if that offensive line, if Cade Mays is not eligible, you're losing another 
if key, your five-star tackles from last year don't take a step up exactly and improve, you're losing a key cog in that whole system as far as blocking and you know getting the ball to those talented running backs that you have in Eric Gray and Ty Chandler it's a it's a big loss you know like you said yeah strength and numbers on the D-line I don't think that they have one star one no they don't you know, one don't. one superstar no they don't but they probably have four or five really solid guys who could take snaps at other SEC schools in this conference your former BFF from high school, Daryl Milton. He yeah, Daryl Milton. He he improved yep. so much last year to where right now, I think I said it this morning. Right now, he's probably, in my opinion, probably the best one of the group. But again, they're all they're all pretty much the same. Point is, they'll yeah. be just fine. Oh yeah, they're gonna be fine on that defensive line. A couple things go wrong on the offensive line. No, no, yes, injuries. Knock on wood. Hopefully, that does not happen for Tennessee or any team in the country because we don't want to see that. Yes, you lose a couple guys um, to injury on. The D line, this could come back and uh, and haunt him. You know, having uh, not having Emmett Good in there, rather, but something goes wrong on the offensive line, and you don't have a, another tight end to run behind. It's yeah, a, I think it's a the, struggle. I, I just I think the loss of of Austin Pope, and um, I mean I'm not a doctor. He didn't say in his uh, in, in his statement that he put out there on Instagram. Tennessee hadn't said anything. I mean, I would assume that he's not going to play this it's year at all. It's a second, you know. Back surgery, yeah, major back surgery. And so he, I would assume he's not going to play at all. Um, but you know, Tennessee does have depth on the offensive line more so than they ever have since I've been here. But it's still, it's nothing like what you have on the defensive line. So, uh, you know, I was thinking about that all last week. I was just like, you know, which one? I was like, I guarantee you, people are going to say it's Emmett Gooden because he's the better player. Right. He's clearly the better player clearly. of the two. But the biggest loss for Tennessee was certainly Austin Pope. And so, how is Tennessee going to address it? Uh, it'll be interesting to see just that. I mean, there's. There's guys there at the tight end position. I remember when Jeremy Pruitts brought in and signed Jackson Lowe and Sean Brown. I was like, man, these are two guys I think that can play one day. Uh, they haven't yet. Uh, Jacob Warren, uh, Butch Jones got him to commit. But Jacob right. Warren stayed through the turnover, uh, played a little linebacker earlier in his career, but he's really bulked up, as I'm saying. Princeton fan, again, I, I said that he's kind of been all over the place. There's going to be opportunity there. And, hey, maybe even Jordan Allen can, can see some run. But – uh, we'll just have to see. So uh, big losses for Tennessee. You know, is this like losing? Like last year heading into the season, if you lost Jared Garantaner, you were absolutely screwed. This isn't a yeah. let's go out in, um, in the streets and burn couches type of no. loss. Now, now, yeah, I don't want to see anyone, you know, get hurt and, and have surgery. I'll be flat honest with you. Don't have any sense of care for Emma Gooden as, as a human being anymore. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you if you haven't read the the police report, you can. Go it's check disgusting. It. I mean, you hope that he gets the help that he needs and right. he changes his life. But yeah, easy decision for Jeremy Pruitt to cut ties with Gooden. To me, gun violence and you lay a hand on a woman and hurt her very severely, like 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 what happened? Hurt her at all? Yeah. Go read the report. It's disgusting. Yeah. Flat honestly, there's no excuse for it, and Tennessee did the right thing. And when you're they saying did it that, very quickly as well. I'm not saying that people listening to this podcast may be like that, but uh, people on the social mediums, let's remember Bryce Thompson. Yep. Okay, he's still, uh, every situation's different, okay? Yes. And so I'm not sitting here saying that Jeremy Pruitt was wrong for how he handled the Bryce Thompson situation, you know, in comparison to Daryl Middleton a couple months ago, and, and of course, Emmett Good now. Every situation's different. Of course, there's, you know, people that are more in the know than me, but, um, Let's not forget that Bryce Thompson was in a situation like that as well, and he's he's back on the football team too. So you just hope that uh, you get the help and get you help. Kind of change your change your life around. It looks like Bryce Thompson's doing that right now. I know Bryce Thompson; he 
trains with uh, with a guy that I used to play football with uh, down in down in Georgia, and I, I you know spoken with him, and you know he seems to have his head on straight now, which is good. But I was just kind of thinking about that last week, and I was like, man, those are two big losses. But Austin Pope's really gonna uh, you know really gonna hurt this offense. So hopefully he gets healthy and he can finish out his career at some point. Um, something I asked this morning on uh, on TSL again. This is PTF producing the facts podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Logan Ward here today. Um, it's been a minute. Glad to glad to be back behind the microphones here on this podcast. Apple Podcast, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Who is Tennessee's best defensive player right now? Tennessee again. You you lost three huge players for you. Three good players. An all a first team all SEC all SEC safety. Yep. Say that ten times fast. Nigel Warrior. Mm-hmm. Huge loss. Who improved drastically last season oh yeah for sure came in couldn't cover anybody Uh, he couldn't cover anybody his entire career and then learned how to do it his senior year um in my opinion um you're you're right and again i remember a media availability you know i think it was heading into the bowl season and nigel warrior was like i I would i would go to jeremy coach pruitt's house i would just talk to him i would sit beside him in every single meeting and just ask him ask every question i had um so you know credit to him he's in the nfl now baltimore ravens uh, Daryl Taylor, second round pick to the Seattle Seahawks. Daniel Batuli, who led Tennessee in tackles for three straight years. You have a player at every level of the defense. Huge importance to your team that you're missing. So it's going to be tough to replace it. I'll say Correct. that. Yep. But Tennessee returns everybody else. And Tennessee returns a pretty damn good linebacker and freshman Henry Tuol So I think when I ask who is the best player on Tennessee's defense right now, I think everybody's going to be quick to say Henry T, Henry T, Henry T. And that is my answer. It is my answer. But I would say Henry Tuoltuo has a lot of room to grow and get even better because immediately I'll say Henry T, but I think the only other person that I would loop into this conversation with saying Tennessee's best defensive player would be Thompson. And I think that's it. I think those two are in a category by themselves. And then I think you have a lot of good players. I think Jalen McCullough is a stud at safety. We've already talked about the defensive line. Um, who knows what we get from, uh, you know, Kaviris Crouch when he finally develops. But I think Henry T would be my pick for best defensive player with a lot of a lot more room to grow because he's still so young. And then Bryce Thompson, then a lot of good players. You know, I've said this for a while now. I think Henry T is an absolute stud. I think he is a future NFL starter, probably even day one. You have a tackling machine at middle linebacker. You know, the question that I've had, and I think I did, you know, my own little stuff on this on my podcast. I haven't done it forever. Oh, well, um, what are you having to replace with losing Daryl Taylor and Daniel Batuli? You're losing a lot of leadership there as well. You know, I think that's the main question because I think production-wise, replacing those guys, I think they'll be fine. I think Henry T will be okay having to replace Batuli's production. Can he replace the leadership though? You I you just got to grow I, into that. I think that's the main question. You know, I think he will because I think Jeremy Pruitt's going to be, you know, hey. It's your defense now. You were the guy going to be calling the signals. It's your defense now. I think he can do that. And, you know, like I said, you know, well, like you said, sorry, freshman, you know, has kind of has to grow into that. He'll be a sophomore. I expect him to do that. Production-wise, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not saying that, like, he's bad by any means. No, My no, point no. is I'm just like he's he's young right now, and he's got so much more room to grow. And so, which, th- which is kind of scary in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's scary good, especially if you're a Tennessee fan. So I think that he still is the best player right now, but it's going to get so much better. Um, talk about leadership. 
I think Henry T will be a leader before it's all said and done. I mean, I think he's doing a fine job now, but again, you got to grow into that. Uh, I think Jalen McCullough is going to be a leader. I'll tell you who's a leader right now. Alante Taylor is a leader. Um, Matthew Butler, though, he's not, you know, one of the, you know, best guys of the unit down there on the defensive line. Matthew Butler is probably going to be a team captain this year. So there's some leaders, but nobody to the magnitude of Daryl Taylor and Daniel Batuli, to your point, and Nigel Warrior. So, and again, all that kind of comes at times. So it was a big week for Tennessee football last week. What about college football overall? I mean, obviously, everyone listening to this podcast is going to be wanting to watch Tennessee football, you know, September 5th against Charlotte. Is that going to happen? <laughs> Probably not, in my opinion. What about September 12th against Oklahoma? Uh, I don't know. What about college football in general? What's it going to look like? Better. Uh, the Big Ten, the uh, the Thursday before I went on furlough a couple weeks ago, uh, the Big Ten came out and announced that it will go conference only. I think the Pac-12, less than 24 hours later, announced it was going conference only. You've seen a number of group of five conferences already come out and say, you know, we're not going to play football. We're going to push football to spring, whatever it may be. You've seen uh, the Ivy League go ahead and cancel fall sports. There's been, I mean, I can't even keep track of all the changes that are going on right now. Um, at, you know, current standing, you know, I, I said this before. I said this before I went on furlough. Again, I was out all last week. You know, we for so long, we're just saying we have time. We have time. We have time. I mean, we are literally, we don't have any more time. You we're running have, out of time. You have until the end of this month, okay? And that is when Commissioner Greg Sankey of the SEC, that's when other Power Five conference leaders are going to decide what they're going to do about college football. But right now, what's your best guess, Logan? What does college football look like for the SEC in Tennessee this fall? Yeah. What I think is going to happen and probably what I want to see happen are two totally different things. I think it's it's a foregone conclusion now that the SEC is going to go conference only. I think that's what's going to happen. Unfortunately, I believe that they're just going to say, okay, you know, sorry, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia, you're not going to be able to play your four, you know, your four ACC, you know, your uh, yearly basis rivals. Which is kind of hard. It's 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 going to be very weird to see those teams not play. It's going to be weird to see Florida not play Florida State every single year. I think I think that's what's going to happen because whenever the Pac-12 and Big Ten canceled, you know, well canceled non-conference and went conference only, that had nothing to do with travel caner. I don't think it, it it ever did. And I've seen a lot of people say that. Oh well, why can't you know Michigan play Central Michigan, but they get to go to you know Madison, Wisconsin? You know what I'm saying? I don't think it ever had to do with travel. It was just, okay, you're going to play the same teams who have the same rules and regulation and safety precautions of everybody else. So Exactly, exactly. Because the COVID testing and procedures at, at, at Central Michigan will be different than what they are at Penn State or Ohio State just because of, you know, money and, you know, everything like that. I think that's what it is. I, think I was listening to... Real quick, I was listening to Locked on Vols, Josh Ward, mm-hmm. and he was interviewing. I forgot who he was interviewing, but in the interview, the interviewee said, hey, I was talking to a group of five conference commissioner, and he was, he, he said that statement right there about how That's why. COVID-19. No, he said that, that, that that's insulting to me because our testing has to be the same. It has to be in order to play football. But I agree with you. I feel like, well, I mean, the money's obviously different there. Right. How do you get the funding to test as much as you need to? But anyway, I just thought it was funny because that conference commissioner, or he said that, he's like, that's insulting to me. I, you know, I, I take offense to that. And I'm like, well. Well, I mean, you know, let's, you know, let's be honest. 
college football is not made for the group of five teams to be successful. I'm so, the rare exception is UCF, and even they've kind of been up and down for the you know the greater part of ten years. It's not meant for so, sorry, you know, ETSU, Middle Tennessee State, Memphis. It's not meant for those teams to be successful on a, on a national exactly scale. on on a national scale. Yeah, I just. So what I think the SEC will do, I'll get around to that, and I had a long answer. Sorry, no, you're good. No, it's okay. I got you. Of course. I think it's going to go to nine games, uh, nine game conference only. The question is, what do you do with that ninth game? Who is that? Is it? Do you go back to last year? For Tennessee's case, it'd be Mississippi State. Do you go back to your pyre? Is it Auburn? Do you go in the future? Is it Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss? Is it LSU, A&M? You don't know. I think that's what it's going to be, though. I think it's going to go nine games. I think that it's it, it's a pretty much a foregone conclusion that you're going to see the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC follow a similar path to the Big 10 and the Pac-12, uh, cutting down the out-of-conference games. I think you're going to, at least in the SEC's case, I think you're going to try to find a uniform 10-game regular season, uh, then the conference championship. Um, I guess I'll kind of follow your path. What? I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, no one does. No one does. No one does. I, you know, on Saturday Sports Talk, on TSL, on the Eric Ains Show on Sports. I mean, I, I've been doing so many shows the last couple of weeks, I forget which one I said it on. But I was in conversations with someone when, when the Big Ten made its announcement. I said, okay, so what are you hearing about the SEC? And he's like, okay, well, my source said, uh, you know, I've talked to – I've had two conversations. And the SEC, if they follow suit, in order to get to 10 games, so you have eight conference games here, in order to get to 10 games – you're going to go back in the past and take whoever you just played cross divisional. So in your, as you pointed out, in Tennessee's case, it would be Mississippi State, but flip the home and the way. So Correct. Mississippi State came here last year. If we're going to go back and get them again to make that the ninth game this year, we will travel to Starkville, uh, and then you will go into the future, which is Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and you will flip that home and away. Tennessee goes to Ole Miss next year. You bring Ole Miss here. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it'd be a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, but and and I, again, that was one situation that I that I talked to. Another one would be go completely into the future. You go twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, which is Texas A and M and LSU and LSU, and you flip the home of the ways. Regardless, in both of those situations, you're not changing the twenty twenty one cross divisional opponent at all. It's going to stay the same whether you play it twice or not. It's going to stay the same. So that was one of those. You know, maybe that's how you round out a ten game conference only schedule. Well. What if the SEC says, okay, we have our eight games. We'll go back and play our cross-divisional opponent from last year again, flip the home and away, so that's nine game. I guess what I'm getting at, what I want to see, is what half the SEC East is already doing. Mm-hmm. It's what Florida does every year with Florida State, Kentucky with Louisville, Georgia with Georgia Tech, South Carolina with Clemson. Go pair up with an ACC opponent, and that's your 10th game. And and I wish, you know, I, I wish Tennessee every single year – would find a cross to or not a cross to find an ACC opponent and create that annual rivalry because I I guess you know the Battle of Bristol was an event you're never going to duplicate it ever Correct. again but it made too much sense to me I remember back in 20 I wasn't even on the beat then I wasn't even covering Tennessee but I was like you have Knoxville here and you have VT here why in the world are they not playing every single year and then hey you know play in Knoxville then in Blattsburg or and then, and then and play in then Bristol in- Play at Bristol, right there. Yep. One, two, three. Much like what Memphis and Tennessee are doing in basketball, yes. they're playing in you know at Memphis in Thompson Bowling Arena, and the next year, this this upcoming year, I guess, in Nashville. It yeah. makes too much sense 
would they do it every year at Bristol? Well, well, every three years at Bristol, two years, I guess I can do math. You know, and Math's hard. Um, it would they want to do it? It I tell you what, they'd sell out the place. It looked really cool. It looked really cool on TV. It looked awesome. It's and a question. I mean, you have two, uh, you know, programs that have so much history, two programs that have a lot of success, and two fan bases that are absolutely nuts. Um, everything about it makes too much sense for me. So for me, I wish. You know, in order to get that ninth game, you go back and get Star Bowl. You know, in a perfect world, I'd love to still play Oklahoma. I think it'd be great. But if you're going by this plan, go back and get Mississippi State. And then for that 10th game, Tennessee links up with an ACC school. I want it to be VT. And let's just let's call it a day right there. There's your 10 games. I would love for Tennessee to create an annual rivalry with an ACC school. And I wish it would be VT, which would be every single year. I think it makes too much sense. Other schools we talked about yesterday. Uh, NC State, Tennessee's played NC State quite a few times actually. Yep. In recent memory, uh, that you know that would make sense. North Carolina would make a I would whole lo- lot of sense. I would sense. love to see that. A lot of people said Duke because David Cutcliffe. Well, I got news for you: ten years from now, David Cutcliffe won't be there. And and that's and that's just a very boring matchup. And anyway, hey Kaner, we're big VFL fans, Tennessee fans. Let's go watch a football game in Durham, North Carolina. Let me say this: you do know that my my family's big Duke fans. I I okay. I, I Take your that. fandom out of it. No, no, no. no. Let's go I, to I, Durham. No, no, I am, but I will say this: I went to Durham uh, two years ago. I, it, it's boring. I don't I don't want to see that at all. Dan, so I I don't want to see that. But I will say this: I went to Durham. The football facilities are freaking incredible now. Brand new, really. Brand new stadium. Brand new double decker press box. Absolutely insane. Um, it's state of the art. It looks really nice. I've been. I mean, it was awesome. But anyway, um, it's boring. I don't want that. You're right. Durham, North Carolina, not a whole lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, going to a Duke basketball game, however, is the time of your life. But um, I would love to see Tennessee play VT. I just think that's something that should happen every single year. A lot of people are saying Tennessee, Miami. Well, I threw out Miami, but let's Tennessee fans. That is an event. For, excuse me, Tennessee, Miami. Going back to the '90s, you know, the Sugar Bowl, which is which is '86, uh, I believe. That's an event. Two of the most storied programs in college football. Yeah, I get both teams haven't really been, you know, what they were in the 90s. De- definitely not Miami, my lord. Well, Miami in the early 2000s, too. Tennessee fans would flock to Core Gables. Yeah. Flock down there. Notre Dame is not an ACC school, but Notre Dame also got a lot of love yesterday when I put it out on Twitter. That'd be a very fun matchup as well. Yeah, so I don't know, man. It's going to be very interesting, and hopefully we'll have answers, especially when we get to the end of July. I mean, by the end of July, you have to have answers. You have to because you have to start camp. You know, they're in that acclimation period right now where they're on the, you know, getting walkthroughs and all that. You've got to start camp the first week of August or you are not ready for a season. Let me ask you something. You know, it was something that I've thought about and I haven't thrown out to anybody, and I – you played football, so I think you would know this more than anybody, and, and I think that, that this makes sense personally. I think that they're going to come out and announce uh, July 31st. That's what you know. I think has been talked about, and I think that's the you know acceptable. Do you think that they come out and say, okay, we're just keeping eight games? Sorry, we're going to nine, or you know, adding a conference game, or we're going to ten, nine conference games, and then one out-of-conference game, do you think that the schools who are going to be looking for a Power 5 non-conference opponent, do you think those schools will already have to have that scheduled? Or because, I mean, you wouldn't want to go into, you know, early to mid-August and not know what, you know, your full 10-game schedule is. Am I, am I right? Now, now, now that varies off, you know, you know, school-to-school basis because I'll be honest with you, Tennessee would probably just play Oklahoma. Florida, obviously, 
going to say the Florida question State. is, are the, the other three Power Five conference going to align together? Because th- they were taken by so such a surprise when the Big Ten did what it did. The Pac-12 quickly followed. Does Greg Sankey link up with conference commissioners from the ACC, from the Big 12? I think it's very easily done. I agree. And so if you follow that same, if those three conference commissioners follow that same alignment, then to answer your question, there's no reason at all that Tennessee can't play Kentucky. Or, excuse me, Tennessee can't play Oklahoma. Correct, yeah. Tennessee should play Kentucky anyway. Yeah, it's true, they do. Tennessee playing Oklahoma, so that would make a whole lot of sense. So I think it's going to be, is the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC going to do its own thing? Or are they going to act together? Because if they act together, I mean, you can save, you can save a lot of ball games. You can save all those, uh, the, you know, out of conference games anyway between the SEC East and the ACC. You can, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of other, you know, big time matchups, not big time, but matchups that I'm forgetting about right now between Big Twelve, SEC, SEC, ACC, all that stuff. Um, so I don't know I, what's going to happen. I don't know. I need to start talking to some more people because I have no clue right now. Um, but what I want to see happen. I would love to see those three conferences go by the same structure. You know, 10 games, we're going to do conference games. And then we're going to, you know, if you have an out-of-conference game schedule with somebody from our conference, keep it. If not, we'll find it. And so that way, Tennessee could keep Oklahoma and Tennessee could schedule VT. But that's just me. I want that as well. I think it's just going to go to nine, though. I really do think it's going to nine. I think it's going to eight conference games. You add one more. That becomes a question. Do you so add? If you can add one more, why wouldn't you add two more? I don't think they're going to play com- um, out of conference games. No. Now, like I said, that that'd be my choice. It'd be very easily done. If you add just one more and play conference only nine games, and that is in unison with the Big Ten because that's what the Big Ten does anyway already. So, which I mean, people are you know clamoring. You know this this is the topic every December come college football playoff time. Why isn't every conference playing? The same conference uh, games, you know, amount of yeah. of conference games. Well, you know, shut up. It it, it works for the SEC. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I just, I just I have a hard time seeing them doing out of conference games. I want to see it. I think it's just going to go to nine, unfortunately. Now, now, you mentioned one scenario that you know you talked to somebody about adding. You know, if this goes to ten conference games, to where you add the twenty two. Uh, 22 cross-divisional and 23 cross-divisional. Yeah, yeah. That'd rotate. And that would be LSU and Texas A&M. Yes. I don't think Tennessee would want to do that. Oh, God, no. You're oh, looking you, at a five and five season. Phil, Phil, uh, Phil still had a LSU five and A&M six in his uh, top 25 yesterday. Heck no. You don't want any part of that. I mean, we'll go back to a conversation we had this morning on the starting line. If you'd rather play BYU again. You know, there's that a conversation. BYU's an independent... It's trying to find games. If you play BYU, here's the you know, the thing is, you know, why wouldn't you just play Oklahoma? Exactly. I, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're at another win. I, I think that'd be pretty obvious. But all uh, these conference commissioners outside of uh, you know the Big Ten and Pac-12, really, or I mean, they're still having something too. I mean, they're you know they're figure they've had these conversations. They you know just because there's not a set plan right now doesn't mean there's not just because you know Phil Fulmer hadn't come out and said, hey. No, there's not going to be 100% capacity in Neyland Stadium this year. There is plans for 20%, 30%, 40%. There are procedures already in works. They've been doing this since March. You think it's going to happen, though? You think that there's going to be fans? Honestly, me right now, no. I me neither. And I, I, unfortunately, maybe a month ago, I was saying, okay, we could get you know 50% capacity. But here's the thing. I think fans could be in the stands. We saw it last week in Bristol. 
Texas Motor Speedway. Exactly. Yep. Fans can be in the stands. Neyland Stadium is plenty. All every SEC stadium is plenty big enough to socially distance some fans to some capacity. The way things are going right now, though, and and yes, I get it's July twenty first. Whenever we're talking about this, the first game is you know September the fifth, I believe. There's still you know almost you know a whole month and a half left. I guess it is a month and a half left. Stuff could change. I just think the way it's trending right now, I don't think you're having fans. And you, if there are fans, you're definitely wearing a mask. Well, yeah, for sure. That, that's that's without a doubt you're wearing a mask. But, I mean, put, think about this too. You know, Bristol Motor Speedway seats what 160,000, but they had 20,000. Neyland Stadium seats 102,000. Even if you put 20,000 to 102,000, Tennessee has more than 20,000 donors. I think. Yeah, I think that. You or could easily get people to give money at least. I think you could easily get in the Season range to fifteen to thirty thousand. We'll Stadium. see. We'll see. I mean, at this point, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? We talked about literally every situation. I, I will say this in full guarantee: there's absolutely no way there's a hundred percent capacity anywhere. I'll and say that. That's just going to be bizarre. Yeah, it's going to be very, very weird. But again, like Major League Baseball, I would rather them play. In front of nobody right. that did not play at all. So. But, I mean, just think, there's Neyland Stadium, late September, Florida comes to Knoxville, probably going to be a sellout game right now. There's not going to be anyone in the stadium. It's going to be weird. Bizarre. Weird. Maybe, maybe Tennessee can uh, turn the tide against uh, Florida with no fans in the stands. Maybe they'll get a win. I don't think it benefits home no, teams, no, though. It doesn't, it benefit, do, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit, benefit home benefit, teams at all. It, it benefits benefit nobody. It, it doesn't benefit anybody. It benefit well, anybody. the road team, it, I think. I think it does. It would help the road team a little bit, but at the same sense, I mean, there's just, yeah, it's just going to be super. I mean, I've played scrimmages and inter-squad scrimmage. I mean, the only thing you can hear is your teammates yelling. This is Pandora's box, honestly. Let's say, okay, 12-game <laughs> schedule. Just I, I know we got to get out because I've really kind of went long on this. 12-game schedule, all conference games, no fans in the stands whatsoever. To be honest with you, I like Tennessee's chances to go to Oklahoma and win. I don't like Tennessee's chances to beat Florida. I don't like Tennessee's chances to beat Alabama. I like their chances to go on there and beat Georgia just because there's no fans in the stands. And, you know, in yeah. the SEC, those fan bases are raucous and insane. It's hard for road teams to go in there and win. So it everything is crazy. Everything is just bizarre. It's all Pandora's box. It's been open ever since, you know, I guess, you know, COVID-19 became a thing. It's It's very weird. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what does happen, and hopefully we'll have some more answers. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for the 31st of July, which is, will be a week from Friday. We'll kind of figure out at least what the SEC is doing. But at the end of the day, give me college football, give me the NFL, and give my checkbook high school football because we all need it, need it to survive, and need it to uh, you know, sanity, men mentally and uh, financially survive. So. It'll be interesting. All right, guys, appreciate you uh, tuning in. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here today. Again, hopefully going to be back on it on a weekly podcast. Been uh, really, really busy here the last couple of months, but uh, glad to be back. I'm at underscore Kaner on Twitter. He's at Logan Ward 98 on Twitter. Producing the Facts podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and tune in. We will talk to you next week, everybody. been listening to another episode of ptf producing the facts podcast with knoxville host eric kane follow the show on twitter at underscore kaner and be sure to subscribe to producing the facts podcast 
on iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. It's PTF, your sports hookup.